Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Hey guys, welcome to Corporate Talk uh, with Charlie and Eva, and I, of course, am Charlie Labasco. And I'm Eva Levandusky. Um, e, before we start, I want to continue a little bit from what we were just listening to in the previous show. Oh, I know. It, it was making us both crazy, right? <laughs> it was. Um, and, you know, the, the wrap-up theme that we tapped into when we first connected was uh, concerns about long-term unemployment and how the focus should be on finding jobs for the long-term unemployed, more so than recovering the debt or something. Okay, so let's take a breath, right? Kind of speaks to our mission, right? The mission Mm -hmm. of Corporate Talk is to leave no stone unturned to make a difference in the workplace, even as one person. What's groundbreaking here is what is happening, which we wrote about in a recent blog, um, The people are not going back to their jobs. They're becoming independent entrepreneurs and business owners. They're taking their subject matter expertise forward, especially now where healthcare is affordable and so on. Well, let me duck, okay, but it's true. (laughs) So um, I truly believe that if we're long-term unemployed, let's collaborate because there might be, you know, alternative ways that may be even more successful than the old way of thinking. Right. And I think that was part of what we were, um, what we were kind of getting not excited about, but what we were listening to is it is an old way of thinking, right? Because there's so many people that have been unemployed for a long time and the caller was right. It was about keeping your skills up, but there's also contract work out there. There's also looking at starting your own enterprise. There's also ways of looking at how you can make a difference volunteering or looking in other organizations, right? I mean, there's so many different options out there. And I know that that's not necessarily what you're speaking to, but I think what happens is people get really kind of stuck in a mindset and they're not looking at all the different possibilities that are out there. Things have really changed, especially if you're an older worker in the workforce. The way things were done 10 years ago is completely different than the way it's being done now. I mean, with social media and the Internet, there's stuff out there that's exploding that you haven't even really thought about. So that's why when we have our different guests on, maybe it doesn't always speak to exactly what's happening in corporate, but it's about personal development. And so when you're looking at, even at your job right now, look at how you can develop yourself personally and also look at what we talk about when we discuss our care model, because it's really about making a difference in your current position and making a difference in your current position starts with you and your attitude at work. Very nice. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> just want to say one more thing on that and then we'll move on. And that is we, we were at an event in April. In fact, we met our guest um, today at this event and there was hundreds of people at this event, hundreds, plural, many hundreds. And, these were entrepreneurs and business owners taking their subject matter expertise forward as small businesses. Right. And um, it was really, it was an honor for us to be there because these people were putting it on the line to move forward. Mm-hmm. And that's, though many of those hundreds are no longer part of the workforce, which may be looked upon as long-term unemployed, but in fact have left the workforce, opened their own business, and are really making a difference now more so than ever, which is such a good thing. Right now, it's a great thing. And so in keeping in line with that, I mean, one of the things that we were going to talk about today, our guest today is um, Dr. Elaine Ferguson, and she has a book out called Super Healing, which is 
it's really an interesting topic for me, especially because um, there have been things that I have been working with an integrated health professional since, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. And so I love this topic because um, Dr. Elaine Ferguson is an Ivy League trained physician who also is now taking an alternative approach to medicine. And so, but what I wanted to talk about before we even started talking um, with Dr. Elaine is about taking first steps. And we talked a little bit about that before um, we came on air today. But one of the things with taking control of your health or taking control of your work life or taking control of any change that you want to see happen is by taking one small step. So I invite our listeners today to think about what it is that they can change in their life and what one small step they can take tomorrow to start making a difference towards moving towards that change. And I wanted to talk a little bit today since we're talking about super healing. So we've made some changes, right? And one of the things that I actually, and and it really has nothing to do with Dr. Elaine, one of the things that um, I started to do today was we started, we bought a juicer yesterday. So I started juicing and I know that you've juiced in the past. So that's, one big change that I'm starting to make today is to at least start to juice, to start adding more nutrients into my diet. So I wanted to talk to Dr. Elaine about that. But also um, biking and walking and working out and all of that. So all of this, when you start moving towards looking at your health or looking towards making changes, it's just really about taking a small step. Right, because work is hot enough as it is. Right. <laughs> and we need everything in our power to help us get through the day. Right. And um, oftentimes it's about personal health. Oftentimes it's about like last week with the Lyotas, mm-hmm. fabulous guests spoke about um, nurturing and communicating with children and giving us creating champions for life because that helps us in our day-to-day as well in our job. Um, so, yeah, I agree. We have to take a first step. And the first step could be in diet and nutrition. It could be in emotion or managing anxiety. Um, but we have to understand that's not that easy, right? Because right. sometimes I, I used to work at a place and whenever an opportunity came up, his response would be, well, we don't want to boil the ocean. <laughs> and it used to be so annoying to hear that, but I right. understand what he means, right? right? And I respect it now. We need to take one step at a time, right? Um, it, so we're going through that now with our own lives. As we age, we're trying to apply it to us specifically, Right, but right. it's really ageless. The concept of taking a small step is really ageless. It's really, wherever you're at, it's time to, if you haven't yet, assess and see what you like and what you don't like. And whatever it is that you don't like, is that's the point where you say, okay, this is what I want to change. What small thing can I change today to move me forward? So, so it may be that you don't feel well. So what small change can you make? Maybe, you know, it's getting rid of diet soda or maybe it's, you know, eating something a little bit healthier at lunch. Um, maybe you hate your job. Well, first of all, look to see what it is that you really don't like. And is there something that you can do at work that you can change? Maybe it's you have a lot of meetings that you go to and you can't get your work done during the day. You know, all you're doing is sitting in meetings all day. Well, then maybe that's something that you speak with your supervisor about and see how you can change the meeting structure. And I know that that's not that easy, but really we have to start looking at ourselves as the solution and not just the whiner, (laughs) right? Well, and you say it's um, ageless, so I guess we screwed up by waiting so long. Oh, do you think? Yeah, Yeah. maybe we did, right? Yeah. Um, So, no, I understand, and, you know, in the workplace it could be, there's a lot of stress and I get headaches and it makes me think it's the job and maybe it's the amount of coffee I drink or something like that. Right. Right. That's right. your point. Right. And so, um, so the, I mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about is that you just need to start taking a look at and being proactive 
with not only your work situation, but with your health. And today, and I know that um, we're waiting for Dr. Elaine to come on, but um, in the meantime, I also wanted to point everyone to her book, which is Super Healing, and there is actually a website called superhealingbook.com. And it's really about looking at taking control of your health in a holistic, integrative approach. Interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, let me interrupt and say that um, I don't want to forget about next week. Heads up, we have a great guest. We're returning the theme back to business, uh, and we're going to bring on Jeff Sass, who has pioneered the path to create our own domains. Um, what I mean by that is a dot, whatever you want to call it, instead of a dot com, dot net. .org. Mm-hmm. So that'll help us going forward to maybe even niche your website name more towards your business. I think that'll be, that'll be an interesting, um, conversation. And I, uh, let me just say, um, if you want to check in with us, you can dial 888-463-6748. That'll bring us right into the show. Uh, or you can email us at ctradioinfo at gmail.com. Okay, so, you know, let's partner, let's continue, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to this one step at a time business. Right. Right? So the point is um, it's easier to see progress when you're taking one step as opposed to seeing the whole big picture in front of you, right? Well, you know, sometimes we, you know how they used to say to put the cart in front of the horse, right? Yeah. So what happens is we think, you know, I want to create, let's say like with us, you know, we want to create a product. Well, how am I going to get that CD out? Well, first of all, start thinking about what you want that product to be. You want to start breaking down the process into, you want to take the process and break it down into steps. And then what's the first step that you have to take? Sometimes it's just making a phone call. Right. Sometimes it's just having the idea, brainstorming the idea. Um, sometimes it's, you know, having a conversation with somebody around it. So whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, don't make it too complicated. Break it down into the steps and then take the first step. So we could manage or monitor progress by the number of steps we're taking as opposed to getting to the finish line. Well, sometimes what the hardest thing is, is just figuring out what that first step is and then making that first step. That tends to be the piece that tends to be the scariest, right? Just making that decision, like when I made the decision many years ago that I wanted to go work on my own. I mean, just making that decision was huge. And then once I made that decision, well, what was the next step? Well, I first then started to figure out before I even changed anything, how much money was I going to need to make? And how much money am I currently spending? And I started looking at small ways that moved me forward that said, okay, this is the money I make. This is what I spend. This is what I need to make in order to move forward. And as each, with each step, I got further and further ingrained into the thought that I am going to go work on my own. I'm not going to get another corporate job. And it took a while. It took about a year. And then the opportunity presented itself, but I was ready at that point. Mm. I was ready at that point. Well, for me, it's the first step was rather than being negative all the time on my career, Mm -hmm. what, what can I do to turn that around? You know, how do I, how do I create a positive influence out there as opposed to that doom and gloom? There's nothing you can do approach, right? Right. So I had to first understand that and you have to start slowly even. You had to, I had to learn to like what I was doing right. or learn to understand that I really did like what I was doing right. and wasn't aware. Right. 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 It's really unbelievable. Um, I don't know. Maybe the answer is it's complicated. It's complicated. So, you know, when we come back from the break, let's talk a little bit about fear and how to handle fear. Right. Um, because it's all connected. It's all connected. I maybe mean, you're not taking the first step. Because of fear. Right. That's exactly right. Right. Okay. Excellent. So, okay, deep breath. Stay with us. Um, We're trying to reach our guest. We have a lot more to discuss. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. We'll be right back.
And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. And today we are discussing taking small steps and the fear around taking those small steps, right? There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear. Um, and one of the problems is that, that I've seen in, in, I'm a certified life coach with Martha Beth. And one of the things that I've seen in my practice quite a bit is that one of the reasons that people don't take a first step is there's a lot of fear and there is fear around judgment. There is, um, fear around that. Well, I've tried this before and it didn't work. There's fear around embarrassment. Like, what if I do this and, and nothing comes of it? Or what if I spend a lot of money and nothing comes of it? I mean, there's all this fear, but that fear tends to come from a place of it's not really grounded in reality, right? I mean, that's the problem with fear is that fear tends to not always be grounded in reality. Now, there are occasions when fear is real, that something happened in your childhood and you still haven't processed it, and that's another part of this conversation. But in in the first parts, typically what I see is that people have a lot of fear around the unknown, right? I mean, do you find that to be true, like with yourself? Okay, so, uh, and this speaks to a lot of us, right? When we say there's nothing you can do, mm-hmm. right? Or I'm going to stay on my job until they tap me on the shoulder because there's nothing else you can do. Right. And it's going to be miserable and I'm going to do what they tell me because there's nothing you can do. So yeah, with that, right? So now I'm in a meeting mm-hmm. and I'm on a new project and I'm with new people and the work is fairly complex and there's a lot of different personalities in the room and I have, I'm at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. I could sit there and say, tell me what you want me to do. Or I can come out and say, here's what I think we should, here's how I think we should proceed based on my subject matter expertise. Right. Could be right, could be wrong, not trying to take over the project. I'm trying to see if my strategy would work for everyone. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's a fear holding me back from coming out and saying that we could talk about it here, but you know, what can, what is the fear that I, is it fear that um, I'm incompetent? Mm -hmm. Is it fear that I don't have any teammates to, to support what I say? I mean, well, okay. So let's say, so let's look at that first one, right? So you're saying, is it the fear that I'm incompetent? Um, there's a little technique called, you know, the work by Byron Katie, right? Is that true? I mean, is it true that you're incompetent? Um, probably not in terms of the definition of incompetent, mm-hmm. but maybe true in that specific um, topic of discussion in that room. Okay, but that's not incompetence. That's just that you might know, not know, that topic, right? So that's where the questioning comes in. So is it wrong to then question? Right. Then that's where the thoughts come up, which I brought up, right? So you want to question, you want to ask the question, but something holds us back. Right. And at the end of the day, it's not just, this is just an example I'm giving, but if there's five or six people in a room Maybe only one person is really driving the effort. And maybe that person is the most aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure mm-hmm. anymore. But there's some sort of fear, underlying fear, that prevents all of us from coming out and speaking up what we actually are thinking. Right. And don't you think that this is like a huge problem? I mean, we've seen this in a number of different organizations that we've been in. This isn't the first time. I mean, we've done consulting in a lot of different organizations, and that always tends to be the problem is that there's always fear around speaking up. However, when people do speak up, and they're speaking up kind of from a point of wanting to actually have a solution, right? Because we talk about that. It's about not being more of a problem but actually finding the solution. And when you talk from a place of finding the solution, 
with that agenda, not a personal agenda, but with the agenda of like making it better for the whole group. Don't you think that that tends to help sometimes? Now I know that there's times that that doesn't help. I'm right? not sure there's time. I think it tends to help every time. I you agree a hundred percent. Um, because just like when we talked, even to some of our guests, we learned things like, for the most part, everybody wants to be nurtured. Everybody wants to be positively reinforced and everybody wants to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So that comes under those headings, right? All mm-hmm. we're trying to do is the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe where we might go south is if it's a personal agenda. You know what? I think I can take this project over. So let me, let me be a little more aggressive than the current aggressor mm-hmm. and push my personal agenda. That would be wrong. Right. Yeah, that would be wrong. And, uh, and because what you're not, you're not, what you're not doing there is you're not trying to come to a solution, right? You're not trying to make it better. Right. Right. Um, where it gets to be a challenge too is the solution may not be available, may not be easily defined. Mm-hmm. So then if you start the conversation by coming out asking questions, you may be left on your own, right? to try to defend it when you need the collaboration of the group. Well, and this is this is where we don't talk about this too often, but this is kind of where you kind of lay the groundwork, right? Because if you're in a meeting and you see someone is floundering, it's really up to us to step up and help out, right? Because there's a good chance that one day that's going to be you in that meeting, Right. Because what everybody is tending to do now is to hold everything really close to the best. Well, I'm not going to speak up. I'm not going to look like the jerk. I'm going to let so and so take the hit. Right. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to do my job. And maybe in, you know, eight years, I'm going to be able to retire and then everything's going to be great. Right. I mean, that's how a lot of people think, especially right. when you start looking at it as careers that are in the second half of their career. Right. Or you've got younger people saying, well, I don't get paid this much money. I don't need to be putting my butt on the line. This isn't what I want to do for my career anyway. I don't care what these people are doing. This isn't this isn't me. You know, I don't want to have any part of this. But what happens is, is that no matter where you're at, wherever you're at in your career or whatever job you have, it really is your responsibility to do the best job that you can. And I know that that sounds simplistic, and I know that a lot of environments are really toxic. But really, if you start looking at your position as being worthy, other people will look at it as being worthy too. And part of being worthy and part of having good a good feeling around what what it is that you're doing in your career is helping others. And sometimes helping others is not letting somebody drop when they're in a meeting and they're floundering and you can help. And sometimes you can help and so it's better to be quiet. But if you can help, I think it makes a lot of sense to lay that groundwork because there's going to come a time when it's going to be you with your butt on the line. And more times than not, if you've been the one that's been helping out, other people will help you. Yeah, that was, you just sort of, you did it. What did I do? You did a lot there. <laughs> you complicated one's job description. Yeah. Right? But you also really defined teamwork, right? Right. Um, the definition of teamwork is that you, as an individual, are 100% responsible for your specific tasks as well as the tasks of your team. So to your point, if someone is kind of floundering at the table, yeah, it's on you as a teammate to at least find out why, mm-hmm. communicate, um, and maybe an opportunity to let's discuss it, mm-hmm. right, or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and, and there's fear around that as well, right? Well, there's a lot of fear around that, right? And being... Being a good communicator takes some skill, right? Because I, I know you're kind of, we're kind of talking around the fear about the fear of stepping up, but also being a good communicator when you do, when you do step up, step up takes some skill and it takes some practice and it right. takes some thought. You kind right? of want to step up under the radar, right? So that you're not trying to take control, right? Mm-hmm. You want to, 
you want to step up. Stepping up is like collaborating, not um, dictating. Um, yeah, that's true. Right. Right. Uh, just, I'm just saying, the person that needs the help needs to understand and be comfortable when someone steps, steps up. Steps up. Yes, that's true. That's what right. I'm it's, trying to get to. Right? It's good to receive as it is to give. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so you're getting a little bit into metaphysics there too. Is that? Is yes, that, it is. With the with the being open to receive as well as to give. Right. Well, maybe you can be the guest this week and you can talk about metaphysics. <laughs> oh, that would be good. <laughs> but, you know, so one thing we were talking about is communication and stepping up. And one thing we're about to go into our second break. But what I wanted to talk about a little bit when we get back is also when we're communicating and communicating by email. Because we've talked about this too. So that's another way to it, lay it, the. It's, uh, in 2014, it's a huge topic of discussion. It is a huge topic of discussion. And I know it sounds like we're making that up, but we're not because it really is. Because one of the ways to lay the groundwork is via the emails that you send. Because if you don't send good emails or if you're toxic in your emails, everyone's going to want to take you out when you get in the meeting. Or cryptic in your emails. Or you're too cryptic. Yeah. Um, but even more than that, which we'll discuss those, but what your expectations are when you hit the send button mm-hmm. is um, something I want to talk about as well when we come back. Okay, that's perfect. So we're about to take our second break. Um, everyone, this is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we will be right back. Stay with us. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more Corporate Talk on TalkZone. Okay, guys, um, we are back. This is segment three, Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. We are having some difficulties with our guests this week, and uh, we will see if we can wrap that up or reschedule one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um we yeah, love, and I was really looking forward to talking. We love Elaine. We met her. We meet every one of our guests. And um, so we'll save all of those topics that we wanted to talk about um, until we finally do get together. Um, like, what is the difference between her holistic integrative and complementary and alternative medicine? Yeah, there was a lot of stuff I wanted to talk to her about, especially because... Um, she practiced in the neighborhood that I used to live in in Chicago. So I'm sure that we had seen each other at one time or another. So I, I had right. a lot of questions for her and I, and I find this topic very interesting about how to, um, combine regular medicine with integrative and holistic approaches to health and healing because it's so important in the workplace. Cause what we're talking about now is we're discussing fear and we're talking about stress. And one of the first ways to start, you know, handling that is via your diet and via your medicine and helping yourself heal. And um, I wanted to also bring up that if you ever miss the show and you want to hear a replay, all the replays are available um, on talkzone.com. You just look for us under the business channel, corporate talk with Charlie and Eva, and you can replay at your leisure. Yeah. So, you know, we love Elaine. And so please rain check on Elaine, at least for now. Right. right, and Dr. Lane, yes. So before the break, we were talking about something near and dear to my heart at work, and that is email. And before we... We're talking about communication. Communication. Right, and that's one piece of it. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention about email is we assume when we hit the send button that we immediately signed assigned a task to the person we're sending an email to. Right. And that is not true, right? <laughs> um, if I heard once, I heard a million times in the corporate world, well, I sent you an email, right? Mm-hmm. So it means nothing to anyone on the email list unless they respond, they don't own the task. So it's on you to either follow up um, 
and continue that way. Does that make sense? No, yeah, it absolutely does make sense. And I think one of the biggest things, and I actually um, had written a blog about this, is one of the problems that when we get email, because you don't have, you don't see a person's response and you don't hear the tone of their voice, you make up the tone in the email, right? So one every now and then you'll get an email, right? And you'll think it's absolutely inflammatory. I call it the flaming email, right? You get a fl- what you consider a flaming email. And one of the approaches that I have put to this is called stop, drop, and roll. So it's the same thing as if when we were little and they, they'd say if you caught fire, which I don't really know anybody that's ever caught fire, but I know it happens. And the big thing was stop, drop, and roll. So it's the same thing with a flaming email. So the first thing you want to do when you get one of these emails, especially because we're talking about teamwork and collaboration, mm-hmm. right, is you just want to stop. You want to take a minute. You want to walk away from it. You want to come back and you want to reread it with new eyes, right? So, I mean, seriously, you need to get up from your desk and take a walk. And I know that you and I have had a lot of conversations around this because especially with your East Coast background, you want to, you want a vendetta. Right. It's the, it's, it's the Billy Morton <laughs> syndrome where normally I would self-destruct, right? Um, fighting fire with fire. So believe me, that's a great strategy. Stop, take a break, go for a walk and what? Digest what just was sent? Right. And then reread it. Because a lot of times you'll reread it and you'll say, oh, well, I guess they were really just asking for, you know, blah, 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 right? And it really isn't as bad as I originally thought it was. But let's say it was as bad as you originally thought it was, right? So, again, you know, the the whole point of it, uh, of wanting to stop, is because your initial reaction is you want to one-up this person, You want to make sure that this person knows that they're not going to get the best of you. You don't need to take this crap from anybody, blah, 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 right? I mean, you just want revenge. And you want to, you want to one up whatever Mm -hmm. it is that they sent out because they're basically discrediting your work ethic, your career, your knowledge, whatever it is that you feel that they're attacking. You want to say, you want to show that you're right and they're wrong. Of course. Right. Absolutely. Right. So then the second thing and what, what you want to do is you want to drop. You want to drop everybody off the reply and just put your name into the reply because you want to make sure that when you start writing your reply, that you're writing it in a way that really conveys what you want to get across without having that vendetta. And you want to make sure that that email is just how you want it before you hit the button to send it, right? You don't want to send accidentally. The other thing you don't want to do is you don't want to keep everybody in your email chain that shows that you're fighting with someone, right? It's really just between you and this other person. And I know that the other person probably hit reply all and had a zillion people on that email. And so there is an opportunity for you to reply to everybody, but you want to make sure that before you hit that button, that that email is perfect. So that's where I say drop for stop, reread it, take a walk, take a look at it again, and then drop, take everybody off the email chain until you have it written the way you want it to be. Okay, so I'm thinking about that, right? And um, during that process, that person might be getting other responses as well. But this kind of is in line with taking the first step that we were talking about earlier. We sometimes make the assumption that emails get a response. Somebody sends something, somebody sends a response. So if the email is sent to me with many others, the the automatic response is reply all. Yes. Right. Right. And we need to take the first step and not do that. Right. Unless it's an answer specific to everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. And that requires a little bit of a skill. And um, so I agree. Only reach out to the person that sent the email if there's an issue that needs to be discussed. Right. Right. Um, and then afterwards, 
maybe hope for the best? Is that what happens? No, I mean, I don't really want to say hope for the best, right? Because what you want to do is you want to format that email in a way where you are the solution that you're not contributing to the problem. I don't think there's anything tackier that than just responding like everybody's fighting in the email, right? I mean, what you really want to do is figure out what is it that this person needs, why this person sent this email, and then address what that need is. Because I guarantee, especially if you reply to everybody, you're going to look like the professional if you hold your anger and respond professionally and just trying to address what the problem is that this person was sending the email out for in the first place. Okay, so you're saying disarm them that way. Mm. Disarm mm-hmm. the aggressor with a grounded approach right? Um, by almost being the leader, by sending a response directly to that person, something like, can you elaborate? Can you be more specific? Would you like to speak by phone? And something along those lines. Right. And if you think it's appropriate, you can send it to everybody, but make sure that it's appropriate, right? Um, but you always want to be the one that's grounded because I guarantee, um, I guarantee that everyone knows that this person is an issue. If it's something, you know, because a lot of times we'll get an email and everybody kind of knows that this person is an issue. But, you know, I want to stop right there because um, I will have this blog up on the Corporate Talk fan page so people can take a look at it there. And because I want to say we have Dr. Ferguson on the line. So I wanted to take our final break and then we come back. We'll finish off with a little super healing. How does that sound? Um, I think that's perfect. Okay. Excellent. So thank you, everyone, for hanging in. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. And so, Charlie, we've had quite a roundabout discussion today, right? We did. (laughs) So we've been talking about, we talked about super healing a little bit in the beginning, and now we've been talking about corporate and fear and emails, and now we're back to super, um, super healing with Dr. Elaine Ferguson. So, Dr. Elaine, are you there? Yes, I am, and I owe you an apology. I lost track of time. I'm thinking I'm on Thanks for the time, and I'm so sorry. No, we're so glad that you're here, and and we'll definitely have you back on the air so that we can have you for a full hour. But I I wanted to even just get a moment to talk to you because I did read a portion of your book, and I really, really liked it. Um, And I think this topic is so important, and I think your book is so important. So even though we have about 10 minutes left to the show, I still wanted – to, for us to have the opportunity to speak with you. So thank you so much for dialing in. We're excited to have you. And thank you. It's my, it really is a pleasure being on the show with you, Charlie. Excellent. So, Dr. Elaine, talk a little bit about, um, like, how you decided to get into integrative medicine and, and how you decided to write the book Super Healing in the first place. Well, to make a very long story short, I decided at a young age I wanted to be a physician, and I assumed, Eva, that going to medical school, I would learn about health. And when I got there, I was quickly brought into the reality of the medical paradigm, which is totally disease-focused and oriented. So I kept waiting for the health lessons and the health lectures, and that never happened. And it was a very, very constrictive education in the sense that we only focused on disease. We we were taught that emotions had nothing to do with illness except for seven psychomatic illnesses, which I knew was had to be wrong just observing my patients. And when I went into my residency, I, I saw the same thing. And upon upon completing my residency and going into practice, I knew very quickly I could not just practice medicine as I was taught 
for the rest of my life. There had to be more that I could do for my patient. So I began exploring other avenues of healing. And at the same time, I had become a vegetarian, so I knew the health benefits of that. My parents were, were very health-oriented, so I think that was my foundation in that sense. Mm-hmm. And over the years, starting back in the mid-'80s, I became very much involved in a more holistic approach because I came to see that the body heals itself, and different things work for different people. The mind is so critically important to our health, as is our spiritual well-being. So in a nutshell, that's how I got involved. And I wrote Super Healing as my second book, actually. Uh, and I wasn't planning on writing another book, but the title just kind of descended into my mind a couple of years ago in July of 2012. And I knew that that was a concept in which I could share my experiences and my understanding of health and well-being from a very panoramic approach and one that would empower and inspire people to take charge of their health and well-being. I remember, um, Dr. Elaine, when we met, and um, the story, and and it just comes back to me now that we're speaking, and I remember my thoughts at the time was, why would she do this, right? Mm -hmm. She must really care about helping others. And I just thought that, you know, that elevated you as the most special person there because you you could have gone down the other path, right? I know it may be off topic a little bit, but you could have gone down the the uh, original Ivy League path of uh, symptom-treating medicine and mm-hmm. been very successful, mm-hmm. right? But you made a decision that you can help others more by shifting gears and going into holistic medicine and alternative medicine. And I just can't get past that. I think that's phenomenal. Right? Yeah, that's great. Um, Thank thank you so much. That's so kind of you. This is my life's work. I'm so passionate about helping people be healthy because I've seen the other side and the toll that disease takes on us and the, the resources that we have to use. And it can be, we can have a much healthier country and Millions of more healthier people if we just give them simple tools to that, to enable them to take better care of themselves. Most of our diseases are caused by stress or have a significant stress component, and we just don't properly address that in, in our in our culture or in our medical care system. It's so true, and you know what would be good is if you could, because our time's so limited right now. If you could explain the difference between holistic, integrative, complementary, and alternative? Because we hear all of those terms kind of being used interchangeably, and I get the feeling that they're not interchangeable. Or are they? Well, they, they, they kind of overlap. Um, my favorite term is holistic because that, that's been around since the early part of the 20th century, and it's just a comprehensive approach that, uh, that recognizes the unity of body, mind, and spirit as the foundation of good health and well-being as well as of treatment. Integrative really comes out of holistic, and it was a term that came about approximately 15 to 16 years ago to be used primarily in the academic setting because holistic had such uh, a negative connotation to it, unfortunately, in the medical realm. So I use those two interchangeably. Alternative really back in the late 70s, early 80s, came about as the term used for anything that was that that people engaged in to use for treatment approaches that wasn't taught in Western allopathic medical schools. So everything else was was considered to be alternative. And out of alternative, complementary came about as the term used when Western medicine and alternative medicines were used in, in the same treatment approach. So they all kind of interlap. Overlap. I hope I explained that clearly. No, I thought it was, I thought your um, explanation was really good because you're absolutely right. Because I remember when we were both in the same neighborhood that that's when integrative started, started being used because you're right. When you said holistic, it made it feel like it wasn't really a, a regular MD doctor, yeah. right? It wasn't a doctor that if you were using a holistic approach, it was, you know, it wasn't necessarily mainstream, and it certainly 
wasn't something that everyone wanted to do. But when you use the term integrative, it meant that you were actually going to a, red, a regular doctor, but that was using more of an alternative or a holistic approach, but also yeah. still had, you know, solid medicine and science behind that person. Um, so I, I really like the way that you explain that. And why don't you two, why don't you also um, share with our listeners the website where they can get the book. And then I know you have the website for the book and then your own personal website, just so that they know where they can get a hold of you and how they can get the book. Oh, absolutely, Eva. The website for the book is superhealingbook.com. And my website is dr as in Dr. Elaine, E-L-A-I-N-E.com. And we have a free newsletter and a free downloadable healing meditation, a 20-minute healing meditation for anyone who signs up at, at my website. Oh, that's perfect. And when it comes to the book, like, who should actually purchase the book? Like, who would be the typical person that would buy that book? Well, in general, women, sorry, Charlie, tend to be more <laughs> interested in health. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, women are, 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 are the audience for health books these days. So in general, I think a young lady, and I use the term quite broadly, between the ages of 35 and 95, uh, is that's the real, that's the audience. But it's written for anyone, anyone who's interested in health, regardless of your age, because it's really about the consciousness and your, your intention to become healthy, that's the most important thing. So it's not, it doesn't focus on any particular illness. It just gives the reader the tools and techniques that will help her or him to improve their health and well-being in a very simple but comprehensive way. Yeah, I thought the book was really well written. And what I liked was is that you have like the 40-day approach in there because really what I'm learning Lately, and actually at a deeper level, because I've always kind of looked at the holistic and integrative approach to health, but it's become very clear that the body knows what to do to heal itself. It knows what to do. And if we just give it what it needs, it actually can do the healing for us. And that's really what your book is talking about, how all these different ways of taking care of yourself body, mind, and spirit will help in your healing. Absolutely, Eva. We have such a magnificent, amazing body that we just take it for granted. I was just going through the book today and reminding myself of some of the <laughs> amazing facts about the body. Just think about your heart. It pumps 100,000 times a day. That tiny muscle that keeps everything going through its circulatory system it's just amazing. Our brain is amazing. The, the, everything, you know, I could just go on and on. We just have such a magnificent body that we tend to take for granted, and we don't look at it, and you're absolutely right. It has the capacity to heal itself, and really super healing is about engaging the body, mind, and spirit to release that vast capacity to regenerate and to express optimal health and well-being, which is our birthright, and we were created to have it. And what I really liked what you were saying, what you have in the book is you have a lot of stories in the book about, especially when you were first um, entering the medical field and you would meet these different patients and you would say, well, I think this person is depressed. Could that be why they're having these issues? And um, the other doctors would say, no, that, that can't be right. You know, and, but you kind of knew in your gut with your intuition that, that, that was a factor. Um, and so I really like those stories that you have in the book because it really does a really good job of illustrating just what an impact how we think um, can really affect our health. Yeah, yeah. I tell every I tell people your beliefs equal your physiology because the chemicals that your thoughts and feelings trigger really is a foundation of your internal cellular and organ physiology for your entire body. It's just that simple. Um, so even though I may not fit the direct hit demographic <laughs> of this book, if I go to drelaine.com, I can, I can subscribe to that newsletter and get all those benefits myself, right? Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely, in a newsletter. It's a weekly newsletter, and I share with the with my subscribers the latest research in a wide variety of topics, including mind body medicine, nutrition, alternative therapies, positive psychology. Just a variety of of topics. That's terrific. Well, Dr. Elaine, thank you so much. We're about out of time, but I want to thank you for for um, joining us. And we have, we, I know we're just scratching the surface, so we have a lot more to talk about. So we would love for you to come back and um, and really dive into this topic. And I just I wanted to share with our listeners that um, Dr. Elaine's website is DrElaine.com, and she you can get the book at SuperHealingBook.com. And, Charlie, did you have anything else you wanted to ask Dr. Lynn before we finished up? Well, I want to make sure when we reschedule, which we're going to do soon, mm-hmm. that I have a lot more newsletter sign-ups because the more people that learn from this, the better we all become. Mm-hmm. So that's my takeaway, Dr. Elaine, and um, I'm hoping the next time we speak, we have um, a lot of – our producer has a lot of calls to manage because we'll have a lot of questions for you. Yes. So hopefully you'll come back, and we're looking forward to it. I'll be happy to come back, and what I want to do to compensate for coming in so late is to give a giveaway, a one-hour free consultation to one of your, your listeners the next time I come back as a guest. Excellent. Oh, that's terrific. Thank you so much. And the listener could be a host, <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Dr. Elaine. Have a great night. Too. Thank you, Charlie and Eva. Bye-bye. Okay, take care. Um, no, it, it, Dr. Elaine is absolutely 100% the real deal. Yes. And, it, you know, a lot of our negative corporate colleagues <laughs> yeah. would say, oh, yeah, and what makes you so sure? Because we, we met her face-to-face. We know she made the decision on her own to go into that line, and you know, you're not going to mess with her education and her Ivy League. So uh, we, we love Elaine. We can't wait to have her back. And just a reminder that next week we are talking about Dot Club with yes. Jeff Sass. Join us. So thank you, everyone. Have a great week. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Good night. <laughs> 